a Podcast One production. Hi, and welcome to A Plate to Call Home, conversations with fascinating people all centred around food. My name's Gary Megan, and you might know this already, but I love everything there is to love about food. On today's show, we have Madeleine Scott of Madeleine's Eggs, and she's a fascinating young lady. In fact, when she was eight years old, as a homeschooling project, her parents bought her a few chickens and said, you know what, see if you can run a little business, just for a few weeks. It'll help you learn maths, it'll help you with your communication skills. And what she did over the next few years with that small business, no one could have seen coming. Just a bit of a warning, if you have kids and they're listening, be aware that we're going to discuss killing animals in this one. So if that's a problem, maybe switch to another episode or pause it for when you're on your own. You're the lady behind... Madeline's eggs. Yes, that's yeah. correct. How did all this start? It started as a homeschool project when I was eight years old. Um, my parents wanted to teach me uh, maths and English and what they say is the most important skill in life being communication Yeah. without sitting me down at the, at the dinner table um, working through books. I thought if she ran a business, she would run, um, learn all those skills, you know, yeah. um, maths, selling eggs, Times is, um, you know, all that kind of yeah, good dealing stuff. with people, suppliers, suppliers, the whole supply chain, in fact. Yeah, ringing people up, and then I guess the biggest one was standing at a farmer's market and selling yourself. <laughs> and how old were you when that happened? I was eight years old, so it was back in two thousand two. Oh goodness, that's incredible. So, so where's where's the farm? So this is your, or was your mum and dad's farm? It still is technically their farm. Yeah. Um, I, except for I kind of use it. And abuse it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so where is that? The farm's in Mount Macedon. Okay. Um, it's How many about, acres? It's 440 acres. Wow. So it's a yeah. big one. Well, it's a tiny Australian farm, but yeah. I guess it's a big farm this close to the city. That's what I was going to say, because Macedon's not that far out. We're talking no. about 50 minutes. 50 minutes, Something 50K. like that. Yep. And what did your mum and dad, dad do? Uh, they started off with ostriches um, before I was born. Yeah. And they were in that ostrich industry. Um, they did quite well. Then they sold that. And they went, now they're doing beef, lamb, and pork that we do through a box system once a month throughout yeah. Melbourne. Um, we also have an, on, oh, they have an online business where they sell the wadding, so the insides of quilts and dunas okay. online. Um, and then recently, as in like the last six or so years, we have been doing tiny house building workshops. Interesting. So, so they're, they're, uh, they've <laughs> diversified a lot. Ostriches tells me that your mum and dad must have been lateral thinkers. Why did they get into ostriches? <laughs> I'm sorry we're not talking about chickens yet, but I'm just trying to set the scene. Yeah. So well, ost- well, didn't ostriches chicken. go, wasn't that a, one of those things that everybody like, I think uh, doctors and accountants and aircraft pilots decided it was a great idea to sink their money into at some point because they yeah. thought it was going to be the new big thing. Yeah, exactly. Heaves people sunk. Millions and millions of dollars into and, it. And lost and lots lost of money too. Because a, a disease came from somewhere. Ah. Um, but my parents did quite well because they actually were one of the few people who imported their own breed. So the actual the breed, um, like there wasn't very many different strains. So having only our own unique line yeah. meant they were quite um, valuable. Yeah. Was your dad an accountant or was he a farmer beforehand? They were... That was from Melbourne. He okay. studied architecture. That's, where, I guess, right. where the tiny houses have come from. Yeah. Um, and my mum grew up in Sydney, and she hasn't any qualifications. She always wanted to be a farmer. That was her, her Okay. Dream. So when they moved, they moved to Macedon yeah. and set the farm up, went yeah. into ostriches, and now lots of other things. Yeah. And then at eight years old, so homeschooled? Why were you homeschooled? I was homeschooled. Um, 
Oh, I guess my parents wanted more control over my education. Okay. Um, and the local schools didn't appeal to them. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure why. I ended up going to school of my own decision uh, when I was uh, for year seven, so 12. Yeah. And then I finished off the rest of high school pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, dove right into the So how did, how did it feel as an eight-year-old being homeschooled and getting into this, getting into a chicken business? Well, it wasn't much. It, it just felt like life. Yeah. You know, I've always been raising animals, you know, sheep, goats, little piglets. Um, so, same sort of thing with the chickens. You raise them from babies um, and then they start laying and then you collect their eggs and then you sell the eggs. It was kind of, yeah, really easy to jump into it. We, My parents went out and bought me 20 chickens and those 20 chickens were 100% my responsibility. So, um, yeah, I did everything. And you didn't I, throw yourself down on the bed. You didn't throw a tantrum at an eight-year-old. Eight years old over chickens. I don't know. I probably Can did. Can you remember? <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> They're just eggs. I probably did, but I don't remember any of that. <laughs> okay. So what do, what do you remember about those first 20 chickens? Did you um, give them names? Did you? I did. I remember naming all of them, but I got really confused between two of them. Two of them were very similar. And so they, I think their names ended up, I don't I can't remember what their names are now. <laughs> but I remember their names ended up blurging into one, becoming the same name for both of them. And what was that name? Can you remember? No. Okay. So you see, I've done it to you now. You'll be driving home to Mass and then you go, I remember what it is. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Set yeah. the memory bank up. So you named your first chickens and then how did it feel then when you got your first eggs? Pretty amazing. They, um, I bought chickens that are already laying, so I got them the next day. Okay. And I was pretty sh- like pretty amazed because it you know, I was like, oh, it might take a couple of weeks. The woman said, oh, it might take some days for them to settle in. Went out the next day and there was eggs there. And um, it was pretty much like collecting gold coins, you yeah. know, collecting Easter eggs, I guess, yeah. for a little kid. I loved it. Were um, they little eggs? Because when they start laying eggs, chickens lay little eggs, don't eggs, they? Like yeah. pullet eggs, yep. they call them, I think. Yeah. So they might be like 30 grams or 30 something. 30 grams or 50 grams, yeah. tiny. Um, but no, these because these guys have been laying for about six months, I think. They were... You know, your no- normal 90, yeah. I mean, sorry, 60 to 70 gram eggs. Okay. Um, that was great. So how many eggs does a chook lay a year? Well, Or a week or a month, I don't mind. It's supposed to lay about 250 to 290. Eggs so a year. Eggs a year. Um, so not quite an egg every day. I always say it's an egg every day between spring and summer and an egg every second day, autumn and winter. Okay. Is how I... Yeah, roughly work it out. No, and is there different? Is there different? So those differences between seasons are they noticeable? Like, do they definitely? Yeah, yeah why is that? Yeah. Is uh, it water? Is it food? Is it? It's cold. It's cold because they're because they're you know actually free ranging and they're not in a factory with an an environment where you can control it one hundred percent. They're actually out you know f- scratching and dust bathing and they're out in the elements. So from now till you know September, there's frost every morning, so they're getting quite cold feet. Yeah. So they're burning more energy to stay warm than they are producing like they're burning more energy, so not producing as many eggs. Yeah. So rewind back into uh, school, <laughs> eight years old. Yep. You've got you've started up your little business. You have got no idea where this is going to take you. Did you think it was just going to be a school project and then? I think you know, my you, parents did. Yeah. I thought they. I think they thought I'd just do it for a couple of years and then pick up a new hobby. But um, yeah, 15 years later, here I am <laughs> talking to you. <laughs> so, so how, when did it go from 20 chickens to what? To I mean, you've gone to school. If you're going to school yep. at year seven, now you've got, you know, education to get under your belt and you've got chickens to look after. Mm. Did this little flocks, what is, what's, a, what's, a, what's a group of chickens? What do you call a little flock. group? A flock yeah. of chickens. A flock of chickens. So when did it go from 20 to, let's say, each year did it grow? Or did yeah, it just- so it grew each year, just little bit by little bit. Um, 
I guess it got quite big when I was 11 and a half. I got to right. about 250 hens. Um, just, I would say tiny now, but when you're 11 year old, it's quite That's big. That's a lot of um, hens. And then SBS did a documentary on my life and how where I sold the eggs. It was mm. really cool. Um, and that went live. It was called Love's Harvest. And I got lots of publicity through that. So um, I think, yeah, the year I went to school was the year I doubled that, actually. So how long ago was that? Uh, I went to year seven, 2007. 2007. Yeah. So did people talk about your chickens at school? Uh, they did for like the first week and then... And got over it. Yeah, became chicken girl and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So I saw a little documentary, a little piece on YouTube in 2014 where obviously you've sized up. This is not that long ago, right? You've sized no. up, you're running a business, you're distributing. Um, and I think you were crowdfunding or fund, yeah, trying yeah. to fund uh, a sorter or a sizer just to kind yeah, of greater, yeah. go to the a greater, go to the next level. Yeah. So when I finished school, I had all this free time. Um, I went traveling for a little bit like everyone does and then was like, well, this is kind of boring. I want to go back to farming. <laughs> no, I love traveling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go, you go to the wrong places. <laughs> um, and then let's see, I got, Ran into chickens. I went up from my about 500 that had been 500 hens for quite a while, went to 900. And then I got to this point where I was spending, yeah, four to, three to four hours a day cleaning and packing eggs and yeah. going crazy. So I thought, um, I need to get a loan from a bank to get this machine from America. Um, and a bank wouldn't give me a loan because I was 19 with, I don't even own the farm. I have this little business that has a great name, but it's, you know, nothing really in a bank's eyes. Um, so I went to crowdfunding. I made a little video of myself, the one you saw. Yeah. Um, and yeah, 60 days later, I'd raised $68,000. That wow. was absolutely crazy. Um, I kind of like made the video thinking, oh, this would be really easy. But $60,000 is a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. And then how does that work? You know, once um, it's crowdfunded, did what you ordered the machine? Yeah, ordered machine. Machine took about a year to come. It was quite a while. Yeah. Um, most of that was sitting on the boat floating between America and here. And you couldn't find anything on the Australian market or closer to home? Um, there was the same machines already in Australia, but they were quite a lot more expensive than buying directly from the, okay. the company that made it. Yeah. Um, and then there's lots of Asian models, but all the other chicken farmers I talked to who had those ones, they're about half the price, so they're constantly replacing parts. Of like, course. They said it, it drives So you bought the, the best. You crowdfunded so and you bought the best. best. Yeah. <laughs> but you had to wait a year for it. I had to wait a year. That was a bit frustrating but you know it was great that I crowdfunded it was pretty amazing yeah. and the machine I got um, I went and saw a couple of them actually working and one of them I saw that was 60 years old the exact same machine they, the guy said he'd only replaced a couple screws and I was like wow and it was still going still so going. how does crowdfunding work you know, so you raise all that money and then obviously yeah. people pledge the money put the money in yeah. do they get the money back how so does they, it work they pledge it um, so they say oh, I'll donate $100 um, in return I'll get something. I did a whole lot of different uh, rewards. So from a dozen eggs, a calendar, produce box, my parents' beef, lamb and pork. Um, I ran some butchery workshops where I taught people how to kill a chicken. Um, it was pretty pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, farm stays, farm tours, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, so they pledge, you know, for $100, for example. Um, and then when enough people put $100 in each, for example, then it all comes out of their bank account and I actually get the money. So yeah. if I didn't reach 60000 if I only got 58000 in the 60 days, no one would have had to put any no, money in. Yeah, put any money in. Basically. So you've got to get over that So that was target. a substantial amount of support. Where did mm. that support come from? Do you know? 
Most of the support came from people who bought my eggs each week. Right. That was really so cool. So your database of customers. Yep. yep. They've gone, we uh, like this, we're going to support you. Yep, exactly. Um, and the shops that buy my eggs as well, they were great supporters. Um, uh, friends and family helped out a bit. Uh, and I did lots of publicity, like I contacted lots of newspapers and um, radio stations and yeah, yeah people were so really you're a, happy to you're help. you're a proper business woman at this stage because let's be honest, most businesses or most business people struggle to get their heads around the fact that they've got to be doing lots of different things. I mean, mm. you know, you become an expert in your field, you're thinking laterally about how you're going to get messages out there and how you're going to get support yep. and you're running workshops and thinking yep. laterally about you know, all this sort of stuff. Where, where does this come from? Where does this business it, now come from? It comes from my parents. They're pretty entrepreneurial. Um, and they're like most of our dinner, dinner table conversations are business plans, business ideas, different things we could do. Uh, so it's all kind of stemmed from the yeah, dinner table. Yeah. And I love it. <laughs> you, talking about business for a second then, do you, remember, do you know when you made money for the first time? You made a profit for the first time? Well, I made a profit the first week. I, um... I sold my first dozen eggs, really, but I had to pay back my parents. It took three months for the chickens, the 20 chickens they'd originally mm. bought. And I've been making profit, but I've always invested it back in. Yeah. One of the things that makes Madeleine's eggs different is the fact that they're organic. Yes. Right? So this is your whole idea. Was this the idea from the beginning? You wanted free range? Yeah. I guess I just think anything that's not organic or not free range is kind of pathetic. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think if you're going to be farming animals, you must be farming them in a lifestyle that they're happy and that they enjoy yeah. um, and that it's not infecting the environment in a negative way. Yeah. Um, being an organic farmer is very environmentally friendly um, and I think it's yeah very beneficial to the yeah. soil and the land. So talk about that specifically with your business and your chickens. I mean, when did you really start thinking about this as, I'm only going to farm mm. this way? Because there'll be lots, I'm sure there's lots of decisions along the way yeah. that are what a lot of farmers go through based on profit and based on yep. distribution, all these sort of things that, you know, they're roadblocks or hurdles you've got to get over, right? Yeah, exactly. I guess I have a really strong conscience um, and I don't want to do anything that doesn't fall into my beliefs. So if, when I'm making a business decision, it doesn't fit my beliefs, I won't do it. Um, yeah. And that always comes down to health and the environment too and animal husbandry. Yeah. Uh, so with the chickens, they're, um, they originally started in normal chicken sheds Um and now they're all in portable houses that I've yeah. built myself. Um, these move across the paddock. They've all got wheels. Um, so, and they've got mesh floors. The poo that they, they release during a night yep. from the chickens falls into the ground, fertilizing the pasture, and then they keep moving. So they're in this, pretty much in like a clean environment every day when we, we move them every second day. Yeah. Um, so they're getting lots of fresh grass. Uh, the houses are all insulated. Uh, they've got like misters for in summer, big air vents. Um, we can close up in winter to keep them warm. They're pretty... They're pretty fancy, even though they're made yeah. out of recycled materials yeah. Or, um, and, yeah, things we've found. Um, the chickens are all organic. Uh, so this means um, from a couple hours old, from 12 to 24 hours old, they've got to arrive on my farm um, and they've got to be fed organic feed uh, and clean water yep. for the next six months before they start laying eggs. Um, unlike if I was a free range farm, for example, I could buy in chicks, chickens at 18 or well, between 16, and 18 weeks and then start laying within between two and four weeks. Okay. So this is a very distinct classification. Mm. That I think most of us don't really difference. understand. So organic yeah. is from day dot essentially yeah. and very yeah. strict. So the really regulation is very strict around that. Yeah. So I get monitored by NASA. It's a certifying body that I'm certified with. 
Um, and they come through and they check the animals. They count how many there are. Uh, well, estimate count because it's yeah, really hard to actually a moving count. target. Yeah, exactly. Um, to make sure that I'm not, <clears throat> yeah, buying caged eggs or supermarket eggs and putting them in my organic egg cartons and then oh. reselling them. They go through my books, see that, make sure that the amount of chickens I have in the pasture actually matches the amount of food I'm using. Um, they even, they interview us in a way to make sure that we have an organic mind too, um, that we're, you know, we're actually in it with the belief we're not just yeah, making, we're not just putting money. it on the label and saying we are, yeah, and not believing and not embracing it. Yeah, exactly. I didn't actually realise it was that thorough. Yeah, they're really thorough because that's pretty regulatory, isn't it? Yeah, I would have never have thought of substituting eggs and selling them for organic no, if I was I a farmer. Do you reckon there are people that do that? Uh, people, um, NASA has caught people doing that. Wow, but that was who knows? I don't know who, I don't cheating know who they the system are. essentially. But there's people cheating everywhere. I mean, lots of people buy each other's eggs in shortages and. Um, when they've got excess, they sell them on to other people. Yeah. So, uh, it's pretty common. I mean, this is where they brought the egg stamping law in. Yeah. Um, which is? Which is where you're supposed to stamp each egg that you sell so you can track it back to the farm okay. where it came from. But mm, I kind of disagree. I think it makes it even more easy to, um, you know, put you, someone else's eggs in your egg carton because you could just buy their eggs unstamped, and then stamp them. And you're like, well, they're my eggs. Yeah. Um, but I think it's... Silly. Yeah, interesting. So mm. the difference then between free range is that free range you can you can buy in older birds. Older, older they birds. can start laying. Yep. They're kept in the same. They can be kept in the same environment. environment I suppose I've got, I guess, but their feed's very different. So those first um, sixteen to eighteen weeks, they are most likely being raised in a cage or a barn situation, and they've been fed, you know, GMO grains potentially. Um, they've had herbicides on those grains. They've um, been fed antibiotics because yep. in such bad conditions um, and hormones to make them grow faster so that they can get out to the, the free range farm quicker. Yeah. And have so you seen, pretty... I mean, I suppose, you know, you, you, I suppose you're focused on your business, but are yep. you involved in the industries? So do you see how pe other people are rearing farming yep. their birds and eggs? Yeah, it's one of my favourite things to do is actually go and visit other chicken farms. Right. And to discuss That's a day chickens. out. That's a day yeah. out for Madeleine. Yeah, but it is. <laughs> so once a month I try and make myself go to someone else's farm. So yep. in a couple of weeks I'm actually going up to Brisbane to um, visit Bond Brown and Bond White. They're the place where I get my baby chicks from to see their whole setup. Set it's up, really yeah. exciting. Um, and they're a big setup. They've got about seventy to 80,000 hens. Um, so that's huge. Yeah. I mean, I've only got 3,000. That's massive, yeah. isn't it? Big difference. So that's a bit of a thrill. Yeah. So you're an industry player, as they say. People know who you um, are. and People know who I am, even though I'm such a small farmer. I think that's probably because of all the publicity I've had through the crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. Um, I really put myself out there. People come to your farm to see how... Yep. I don't mean, come. you know, uh, customers, but as in or industry. Both, actually, yep. I have lots of industry people... Um, organise visits and come and see what I'm doing and I'm really happy to share what I'm doing because yeah. I really want more organic farmers. So we need more small farmers. I yeah, reckon. absolutely. So where did you learn about moving the chicken houses and the mesh floors so that you're fertilising the field? You're moving every, you said, three to four days so it keeps every the second. grass fresh second day. Yep. So where did you learn about this? I originally learned, I think, through Joel Sullivan. Uh, yep. He's the American farmer that most people know about. Yeah. Um, and he's And actually explain that because... Probably our listeners don't know who Probably Joe Sellerton is. That's but true. <laughs> yeah. He's a, 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 what we would call a radical farmer in the US. Um, he does lots of similar things to me. Um, everything's mobile. Everything's got wheels. Everything moves. Um, he talks a lot about uh, 
salad bars for his animals, so yeah. providing a variety of greens, all your natural weeds, your grasses, um, and getting to eat as much as that as possible, and then having high growth. I think the person who's the best at describing it is actually um, Alan Savory, the environmentalist. Um, he did lots of research in Africa. He actually was, and it's really sad, um, sorry, <laughs> he... Uh, he killed 1,500 elephants because he was trying to save the elephants in Africa right. um, in, the, yeah, in the natural habitats that they have over there. Um, and he actually found it did more damage to the environment than it um, was helping the other ones left because what he found was that animals need to actually move constantly and the grass has a growing date, um, a growing pattern of it gets cut, but like when you mow your lawn, and two days later it has this beautiful new green shoot. And if an animal comes back and eats that, grass, um, then the grass has actually got a kill of its own uh, storage in its, in its roots to set up a whole new shoot. Um, so you start having less grass growth and so then your vegetation starts to disappear and become desert. Um, so you need more herbivores and more animals moving across your pasture or your property to produce more grass growth um, yep. and also has more fertilization. Yep. So through that I thought, well, let's have high density um, amounts of stock on our small property and we can hopefully produce more grass. Yeah. Um, can I just stop for you a second? Yeah. Why did you get emotional a minute ago? Um, oh, I just think it's for someone who's a, he's a hero of mine. Um, it's pretty horrible that they get, were responsible for 1,500 elephants being slaughtered. Yeah. Um, yeah. And why does, it, why does that hit you hard? What is it about your connection to that? <laughs> to elephants? Um, or just to animals in general. I think when they're killed for no purpose, I think that's, yeah, it's pointless um, yeah. to an extent. I think if an animal's going to die, it should be at least used, like eaten, for um, so that someone can gain its, you know, nutrients or something should be done with it instead of just... Yeah. Are you a bit of an activist in any sense or in uh, any way? Personally, yeah. Obviously but in what you do. In what I do. Um, do you get involved in other areas? I don't go out in the street no. marching activism. So do you... Just do eggs, or do you sell chooks as well so, yeah, for I the do, table? I do sell chooks for the table, and I do it spontaneously, randomly, throughout the year. Whenever I feel like, oh yeah, I could do some chickens now, I'll do yeah. them. Um, I haven't really set up a like a constant market, and also price. I, I mean, I'm charging twenty dollars a kilo. The birds weigh between about about three kilos, so it's about sixty dollars for a, a roast yeah. chicken. Um, That's a big chicken, though, isn't it? It's a huge chicken. Because yeah. most chooks you buy in the supermarket be 1.2, 1.3. They're small chooks, mm. and maybe 1.8. Yeah, if you kilos. get a big one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's dressed, which means you know they've been eviscerated, which sounds terrible. Yep. So nothing in them, as you as you would expect to see them in the, in the shops. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, and so three kilos. That's a big chook. Big chicken. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I keep the legs on and the heads on. Yeah. So they look pretty. I don't know, scary, <laughs> dinosaur-like actually. Yeah, but we've become really resistant to this for some reason in the last yep. 25 years. So I remember growing up and there were rabbits hanging up in the butcher yeah, and exactly. you know, chickens had heads on them. And if you go to Europe, France and Spain so or whatever, yeah. you, actually people don't buy them if they don't have the head on them or they mm. don't have the feet on them because it's part of the chook and yep. they can also see how fresh it is too yeah, exactly. from seeing the whole animal. It's yep. weird, isn't it? Mm. Well, I thought it was strange when I first time I walked down Chinatown <clears> and I saw the ducks with their heads on. I was yeah. like, ah. Oh. Um, but I was like, that's not strange. I see that at home. Yeah. But it's strange seeing it out of home. Yeah. And I think yeah. we've become more disconnected now. Everybody buys everything that's under plastic, so they don't want yeah, to see exactly. it. Yeah. Um, and also regulation too. You can't mm. hang anything on the feather 
or yeah. with, you know with fur because it's you know it's seen as a health risk yeah which exactly. is you know in many it's respects debatable. odd yeah. and debatable <laughs> absolutely this is a plate to call home i'm gary megan and coming up next we find out about madeleine's partner and whether or not madeleine feels like she missed out on anything growing up stay with us So can we talk about um, killing your chooks then? So you do class, you do a class. Did you do a butchering class or a, or um, how did you, how did, did you sell that? <laughs> and it, it's not something I can imagine just popping up on the internet and going, yeah, I'll come for that. That yeah. sounds great. How did you get that out? Uh, well, I went and saw um, a friend of mine who does turkeys and he's a butcher right. and he showed me how he kills turkeys and he can do it in six minutes. Um, and I remember a couple of weeks ago, I'd killed my own turkeys. This was many years ago. And it'd taken me 45 minutes to do my the one turkey. It'd taken him six minutes. And when you say killed, you mean kill and killed, dress? Killed and dressed. Yeah. So that plucked, means it plucked, eviscerated, gutted, yeah. Yeah. And um, hanging up looking like it's ready to go into the oven. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, wow, that's cool. So he showed me how to do it. And I was like, well, that is just so easy. Um, so I went home and I practiced and I killed lots of turkeys yeah. <laughs> and I got really good. And then I started doing chickens, same thing with chickens yeah. pretty much, just a smaller bird. Um, and I got really good too. And then I had a friend so say- So when you first killed, had you seen animals being killed on the farm before? Yeah, my whole life. So you're okay about it. Um, but and, I and why did... do you get upset about <laughs> elephants and not about- um, the... Well, maybe it's just a chicken. new thing. Maybe I wasn't so emotional before. I had I have just had a I had a baby ten months ago. Yeah. Um, and during my pregnancy, I was really nauseous at the sight of blood, like really, really nauseous. Um, I fainted a couple times. Anyway, <laughs> so before that, I don't think I had as much um, off feeling. I just I don't know. I was maybe a bit more heartless. Um, but now I've got a baby, and I think, oh, that thing had a that had a mum too, and yeah. Um, I don't know, it's just a lot more emotional now. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I suppose like you say before, an elef- you know, if you're going to kill something, then you got to. it's got to be for a reason. You've got to yeah. be using everything. Where yep. You know when you're killing your chickens, it's, it's for a reason you're for a reason, eating yep. them. So going back to the workshop, did you yep. promote this as a, something to come along and have a look at on my farm? Yeah, yeah. well, I promote it for people to be able to do it themselves. So right. if, you know, if you have chickens in your backyard um, and you're breeding your own chickens, you often get a bit of a rooster in influx in population, I guess yeah. you could say. Um, yeah, because when you hatch 10 eggs, five yeah. of them will be female, five of them will be roosters, and then you have five roosters and you don't know what to do with them. And there's only so many pet roosters you can have before it becomes too noisy. So I was like, well, this is an opportunity through my crowdfunding campaign where people could come and learn how to, to kill a chicken um, with someone who's experienced, being myself, yeah. and then be able to go home and feel confident in themselves. Okay. Um, and that was... People so thought that chicken? was amazing. Did you put them upside down into a little cone-shaped Yeah, mechanism? I put them in a cone um, because when there's a whole group of you doing it for the first time, it can be, yeah, emotional yeah. Um, and they twitch like crazy. Yeah. Um, that's also, we don't get shown that in movies. Like when someone dies in a movie, they just fall dead. Yeah. Um, that's only really what happens when something dies of a very old age. Yeah. Um, so the chickens twitch a lot. There's a lot of blood spraying everywhere. Um, so if you put them in the cone upside down, then you can kind of hide a bit more of it. Um, you can be a little bit more distant from it, but yeah. also, yeah, not, you know, be connected, but not hundred percent. Yeah, because it's a difficult or... thing to kill an animal, and mm. it's it's interesting because it, you know we separate ourselves from it in life, but actually, when you look back in history, it was always separated yeah. as a function. Often, it was a 
a priest who might kill something or slaughter exactly, something. Yeah. And actually I read that um, in many cases they would only do it for a certain period of time. Yeah. So it's always yeah. been separated as a function. So it's not something that's – even as a chef, I understand things are getting killed and I've yeah. been to abattoirs, but it still doesn't mean I like it. No, yeah. I think there's some people that can yeah, do it and um, that's and why they get that, the job and they can't. can't. Yeah. So part of that workshop, people learn how to kill their chicken. And kill a chicken. Pluck their chicken. Yep. Take the, ins- the guts out of the chicken. Yep, exactly. Um, and then – Sometimes we'd often, yeah, work out ways of like cutting them up too. It's yeah. a bit more of, I guess, your profession, chef. Yeah. Um, I'm not great at that, but yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah really good at the, the killing part and the, well, I guess the preparing, like the plucking and, and taking the guts out really easily. Yeah. There's lots of little techniques that you just, like I've watched lots of YouTube videos too, and you can, you can see someone doing it, but actually having someone pointing it out in, you know. In, yeah. like, and it's a feeling Thing yeah, it's a feeling thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now we've got a chicken that's, you know, and eggs that you can cook with. Yeah. Do you, do you cook with them? I love cooking. It's yeah. one of my hobbies, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Do you start with eggs? I know it's a stupid question, but... Oh, eggs are great. <laughs> but eggs are, you know, they're one of the things we can't live without. Well, yeah. you know, I can't live without them. No, I can't, but some people do. Vegans some people do. Brave. They, they are. Yeah. They do. So what do you cook? Uh, what do I cook? Um, I like everything. I've been making a bit of pastries and pastas. Um, actual starting with the eggs. Yeah. I'm obsessed with making mayonnaise as well at the moment. Right. Um, Why are you obsessed with making mayonnaise? Because I always bought it and I thought, ah, oh, this has got eggs in it. I should be able to make it. Nah, it's too hard. <laughs> and then I made it once and I was like, wow, that was That's so easy. easy. Yeah. Um, and so much different because the mayonnaise you buy in the shops or anywhere is white. That's right. And when I make it, it's like this. It's yellow. Real yellow. Yeah. And I was like, wow, we eat so much food coloring without it realizing. Yeah. Um, or you're having mayonnaise with no eggs in it. Let's or, be honest. Yeah, soy. Soy <laughs> it's got it's got emulsifiers and all sorts of things in to make it Tastes emulsify like. the oil and the vinegar. Yep. Yeah, not the egg and yep. the mustard. Exactly. So what's the secret of a good mayonnaise? Madeleine's eggs, obviously, first uh-huh. up. Yeah, my eggs. <laughs> <laughs> um, use the whole egg. Don't don't chuck any of the white yeah. away or the yolk. Just use the whole thing. Yeah. Um, lots of like half olive oil, half sunflower oil. Don't put yeah. too much olive oil in because otherwise it gets too bitter. That's right. Um, Decent amount of salt and pepper and some actual mustard, like yeah, real mustard. Like not proper. Proper mustard. Proper mustard. And a good yeah. amount too because you yeah. get lots and lots of flavour. So you have a partner. Yes. His name is Alaziah and he was in the army for many years. Um, he quit the army to become a full-time dad and a part-time chicken farmer. <laughs> um, yeah, he's great. Very supportive. How long have you been together, you two now? Um, oh, it's really difficult because we were good friends for many years before we somehow started dating. So I don't really have, I don't know, time period, maybe three and a half years. Okay. Yeah. We've and known each other for about seven and a half. And how's he found that change? Because that's a big change, isn't it, from army to <laughs> dad and chicken farmer? Well, yeah, there's still the same amount of routine, I reckon. you got to get up early, yep. um, feed chickens. You'd probably do workouts in the army. Yeah. Um, Different kind of soldiers. They've yeah. they got feathers on them. Yeah, yeah. A bit more random, I should imagine. Yeah. But he loves it? <laughs> yeah, he does, yeah. That's beautiful. That's good. So you, you've you've had a very different childhood to say myself. I, I presume most people out Probably, there. Yeah. Have you missed out on anything? Do you think? Um, a bit of TV. <laughs> That's not great um, loss. I reckon you could survive for that. Mm, I reckon I have. <laughs> no, I don't feel very different. Um, and I've had a very different. Like I've learned lots of other things. Lots of um, oh, things I don't even know. I I know. 
like weather patterns or yeah, grass, the way grass grows or the way certain things happen on the farm, um, yeah, the way people interact with animals, the way animals interact with each other, all that kind of stuff. I don't... Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a pin-up friend that does everything that's opposite to what you do in your life? Mm, yeah, I have a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> They're so, great. So do you find yourself daydreaming about what they do sometimes? Yeah, for I definitely example? do. Yeah. yeah, well, everyone daydreams about every like all kinds of things. But <laughs> yeah, I often put myself in that in their spots and um, try living their their worlds through my you know my mind I guess yeah um, and I always think no nah, I prefer my life <laughs> would there be one thing that you wouldn't mind changing mm, I probably wouldn't have minded um, I had a friend who had his own apartment in the city when he went to school and I was like that's pretty cool that is pretty cool <laughs> I'd like one of those myself that'd be pretty cool too Just, and what would you do if you had that apartment in the city I don't know. Have people over, have parties. <laughs> <laughs> go out for coffee when you want. You yeah, catch a tram. That would be good. Just a couple of stops. You yep. don't need to go any kind of distance. The problem with going out for coffee all the time is I get a bit like, oh, I want to make my own because they're not making it right. Oh, right. Mm, and then you start terrible. going back from there. You want to start growing your own yeah. and roasting your own. And, yep. <laughs> yeah. And then you become a coffee farmer, which is different. Yeah. And then you'd have to move. You'd yep. have to go a little bit further north Somewhere to do typical. that. But you could do that mm. if you wanted. Um, yeah. <laughs> Where's um, Madeline going to be at 50 years old? Can you think that far oh, ahead? I can make it 40 if you want. Because uh, when you 10? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want. Have you, got, yeah. have you set some goals? Ten year you, plan. Have you got a 10-year plan? Yeah, I'm, my plan is to get to um, about ten to 15,000 hens. Yep. So it's quite a bit bigger than I am now. Um, and why that? Because I want to feed more people. I'm producing about a 1,000 dozen eggs a week right. to Melbourne. Um, and if I could produce... Yeah, 20,000 dozen eggs a week to Melbourne. That would be great. Just to know I'm feeding 20,000 yeah. families, for example. Um, and that's quite so, important, isn't it, too? Because there's they, they talk about organic farmers, for example, operating on, operating on such a small scale that their field of yep. influence is not very big. So if you actually want to change mm. people's habits and the marketplace, there needs to be enough of you yep. or you need to be big enough to, to make that change. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And that's a bit of a goal for you, is it? Yeah, to get bigger for myself so that I can, um, yeah, have more people helping me out, more employees, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and then I can have more time to, yeah, train other people to become organic egg farmers too. Um, I'd also like to either win the Nutfield Scholarship. And what is that? It's a scholarship where you get about $30,000 go traveling around the world to go and visit um, farms that are in your industry. Um so that would be really cool for me because then I could go and visit, yeah, farms all around the yeah. world that produce chickens or eggs in the, yeah. yeah. Um, otherwise, if I don't get that, I would like to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, especially Italy and, and the US, there yeah. are lots of different technologies that we don't have over here. Right. Um, and there are ways of tracking and laying or, um, yeah, different heat, different climates, different storages, different egg cans. There's so much information yeah. that I could gain and learn. Is it an industry that's changing here. very quickly? Is I think it? it is because people, I guess eggs are maybe one of those new fads where people actually care about the eggs they're buying. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. It's taken a lot of work from a lot of people, hasn't it? Yeah. Having been homeschooled, yep. compare that to going to school. Which yep. one's better? Um, well... Ah, uh, it's a bit of a difficult question. It's a loaded it's, question. It's a loaded question, yeah, mm. exactly. Um, 
Homeschooling is great because you're given the freedom to learn what you want to learn or with your parents' guidance, um, and that's great. I, yeah, I really used that and did lots of different things. We also saved quite a lot of money uh, not going to school, so we went on lots of overseas trips. Mm. That was really eye-opening. Um, and by the time I decided to go to school, I decided to go to school for social reasons. Yeah. Um, that was... I guess not really why people go to school in the first place, more for education. Oh, it's an important part it's of it. It's an important school. part of it. Um, and I actually found I love the education as much as the social aspect because I'd been taught through homeschooling to want to learn, not how to learn. Um, I absolutely adored my teachers and apparently I was an ace student. Um, but I loved learning so much and maybe that's where I've got to where I am now is because I love learning still. Yeah. I love going to other farms and learning things. I love researching things. Um, I love trying out things. Um, so it all comes back to a love of learning. Yeah. And so I think that homeschooling gave me that ability to love learning. It's very rare, I think, in a person's life to find something that they're truly passionate about mm -hmm. very early on in their life. And you're very lucky. Yeah. Because a lot of people end up changing careers. I mean, look at MasterChef that I do, for example. People, yeah. you know, have fallen into their whole life, their uni and everything, and they hate it. Yeah. You know, yeah. they did it for every other reason other than what they're passionate about. Whereas you had the opportunity to, you know, take yeah. on a few chickens as a project and yeah. it became a life project instead of a couple of weeks, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. So to finish off, where do we buy your eggs? Where do you buy my eggs? You can just, you know. Well, the easiest way <laughs> is to go to my website. That's www.madelainesegs.com. And if you go to Stockist, there's a whole lot of all the different shops around Melbourne. I think there's about 27 shops that stock my eggs. And there's a whole, yeah, they're on a map. You can put your postcode in and it tells you where your nearest one is. That's really cool. Otherwise, yeah, there's just a list and you can have a look. And if we're, if we're on your website, where else do we click on to, to see uh, what's happening? You can follow me on Instagram. Um, I, list, I like to post lots of pictures of chickens, <laughs> doing chicken things and babies. So that's and what's your fun. Instagram account? It's Madeleine's with an S, um, organic eggs with an S. Beautiful. Um, and then my Facebook too, but that's just Madeleine's eggs. It's easier. Done. We've got mm -hmm. it all covered. You know what? It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I don't think I've ever sat across somebody that's so uh, together in terms of business that's so young. Oh, it's wow. a, it's a, no, no, <laughs> it's a, a real privilege. It's a real privilege to be sitting across from someone from so young just has grown this little idea to something that really means a lot. And as a foodie, things like this are really important to me. So oh. it's been a lovely chat. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having the chat. So obviously my tips and tricks are going to be about eggs. And they seem like the simplest of things to cook, but one of the most frequently asked questions is how do I get the perfect poached egg? You know, just like in a cafe, all nice and round and white and tight and looking delicious. Well, there's a couple of rules here that you have to follow. Number one, plenty of boiling salted water. And that water needs to be on a gentle roll. So the water's moving around. And you have to take super fresh eggs, Crack them maybe into a cup because it'll help you get close to the water's surface and then gently drop that egg into that rolling water. And what will happen is the egg will roll over and roll away from that turbulence, if you like, and then you can crack another egg into the same spot. And if you keep that water just on the boil, you'll end up with these beautiful little round, white, tight eggs. A Plate to Call Home is a Podcast One production produced by Dave Swalensky and executive producer is Jamie Show. Audio production by Nick Slater and special thanks to Imogen Thomas for the research. Talk to you next time. <laughs>